Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. My name is Tony Rose Deannon, she, her pronouns, a program manager at MCP, and I am joined by four implementers who teach eighth grade at an online academy in North Carolina. We have Sabrina, Devin, Mary Catherine, and Daisha. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, so excited that you all are here. This is going to be, the, it's the first podcast that we've had four guests. So this is going to be really entertaining to say the least. Um, Daisha is one of our all-star social studies mentors and Canvas slash Schoology expert. She is a rock star and I get to work closely with her, which is also really exciting. She's a repeated guest in the podcast. Um, and we have Sabrina, Devin, and Mary Catherine, who are first time guests. So again, thank you so much for saying yes to the podcast. I'm so excited to know more about your experiences. And I know that we have implementers out there who teach virtually and are curious how this model works in a virtual setting. So again, I'm excited to hear about your lived experiences and really learn from you because I've never taught like fully online before. Um, And so this will be such a great conversation. So before we get started, how are you all feeling? Sabrina, let's start with you. I'm, I mean, how am I feeling about the modern classrooms or how am I feeling today? Girl, it could be any or both. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, today has been a very interesting day. Uh, We had a long day of benchmarks, so I'm feeling just, you know, I'm here living in the moment. But with modern classrooms, um, I'm feeling pretty decent. I'm working on my next unit online um, that will start after winter break. And so feeling pretty good about it. Okay, that's awesome. Mayor Catherine, how are you feeling? Um, I am feeling good. I'm feeling excited um, to have this conversation and just to get to spend this time with y'all. And then in terms of my classroom, um, I'm enjoying implementing the modern classrooms to really increase the access um, to my curriculum and lessons for my students. I feel like that's been um, a big thing that I've thought about this this year. I heard a quote at the beginning that was like, each year strive to be a better teacher than you were before. And so I feel like Modern Classrooms has helped me become that. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Devin, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Um, kind of the same as Sabrina had a long morning of benchmark testing, but I think in light of the Modern Classrooms project, it has really helped me not feel like I'm losing instructional days because my students can still access their lessons. So, um, you know, it's a day and it's a day that we just carry on and take what's given to us. And that's definitely something I don't miss being in, in the classroom is benchmark testing or just testing in general. And Daisha, how are you feeling? Well, I didn't benchmark test today. I benchmark test tomorrow. <laughs> so I've had, a, I've had a really great day with the kids. We're figuring out our final project that we're going to be doing, um, rolling at the speed of light through the American history curriculum towards the end of the semester. Um, but I, I have to say, I've been on this modern classrooms journey for a while now, and I would say definitely it made me more prepared to be able to teach online. Certainly when the pandemic hit all of 
my school who were modern classrooms implementers, we were under a lot less stress than most people were because um, we could make that pivot very easily. And I, and I feel like the online environment just lends itself to a lot of the techniques and practices. So I just really enjoy being a part of it. I also enjoy being a mentor because I get to learn so much from so many educators all over the country and all around the world who are implementing the model with their own creativity and, and enthusiasm. And that's just a great thing to be a part of. Yeah, and it um, sounds like you have an exciting day tomorrow, Daisha. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're absolutely correct about mentoring, right? I feel like I always say this, is that I learned so much more from the from our mentees than they learned from me. So, um, And it's really just exciting to be able to network and establish relationships with teachers all over the world, um, giving us different perspectives. So um, if you are interested, if our listeners um, are interested in becoming a mentor, of course, apply to be a DMCE. Um, and that is your gateway to apply to become a mentor and work with me. Um, and Daisha as well, which is really exciting. And so um, uh, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, so the first thing is, you know, tell us more about who you are and how you started your MCP journey. We already talked about how you feel about modern classroom, which is exciting. So then how did you get started and who are you? Um, what do you teach? Um, how long have you been in education? All of that. So I started, it actually segues well from what Daisha just said. I started my modern classrooms journey with Daisha as my mentor, but I teach eighth grade English language arts. Before teaching eighth grade, I was actually a preschool teacher. So this has been a very big jump for me to go from teaching four-year-olds as a transition teacher for three years and then transitioning to middle school teaching, teaching online, and teaching using the Modern Classrooms project. Um, so I'm so thankful that I had Daisha as my mentor over this summer um, and that I was able to take um, the Modern Classroom Summer Institute class. But that was how I got started. And that's also how I became buddies with Daisha. She's my best teacher friend. So we're very lucky to get to be a part of this journey um, as a team, which has been a lot of fun. And I'm Mary Catherine. I teach eighth grade science. So that is where I currently am. Science has always been my background in teaching. Um, I was a biology major in undergrad and then went straight into Teach for America. So that's where I got my education training. I started in a um, school that was fully project-based learning. So that is in my past and very much integrated into like who I am and my ideologies as um, a teacher. And then um, whenever I started my Modern Classrooms project journey, I could say it initially started in my Ignite interview for this Ignite Online Academy school. So I had seen it on their Twitter page and I asked about it in the interview. And then over the summer, got to join um, a cohort um, for the Modern Classrooms Project training. And I connected with another science teacher. She lived in a, another state, um, but she was um, an awesome mentor to teach me kind of the ropes. Um, and she had a lot of chemistry background. And so she was able to help me kind of shape, especially my first unit in my science class. Um, and so that whole summer process um, really like helped me build the first modern classrooms unit that I actually used in my class. So it was very helpful and aligned. All right. Um, I'm Devin. This is my 11th year teaching. I've taught everything from third grade um, in 
public traditional schools to 6th through 12th grade math in a psychiatric residential treatment facility to now teaching solely middle school math. Um, My modern classroom journey began with my former assistant principal coming to me and showing me information from the district that they were offering summer institutes. And I, and she brought it to me. She said, this would be a great idea for you. And I said, I agree. And so I applied and then kind of simultaneously um, applied to work with Ignite. And upon accepting the Ignite position, also found out that I was going to get to do the summer institute. And at the same time, I was also wrapping up a program at Duke University to become licensed for AIG education. And really the things that I'd learned in that program and how to um, address the needs of gifted learners, really, I saw those needs also being able to be addressed through modern classrooms. Um, So kind of all of that together made me really excited to have this opportunity to put the ownership in my students' hands as well through their learning. And I have to say, I'm beyond privileged to work with all three of these ladies, and they have become very good friends to me. Um, I've been awesome to work with and just been amazing people just to get to know. I've been in with Modern Classrooms for the past, I guess we're going on three years now. Um, It was for for me, it was the the famous Edutopia video <laughs> with Kareem that uh, came out. And our school, I, at the time I was working at the Durham Performance Learning Center, and we had been doing blended learning forever. But we were always struggling with how to deal with the fact that a lot of our students did have chronic absenteeism. A lot of them came with a very wide variety of ability levels and backgrounds. Um, A lot of them came to us because they had failed to thrive in a traditional school classroom. And we needed a model that would allow us to allow students to go at different paces. And when I saw the Edutopia video, I literally picked up my laptop and ran down the hallway to my principal. And I said, this is it. This is what we've been trying to figure out. And so we, our school was able to bring Kareem in. We were so blessed to have him come in and he taught all of us um, for a week on the model and been using it ever since. Had the privilege of becoming a distinguished educator and a mentor, which I absolutely adore doing. Um, So yeah, that's pretty much how I got on the Modern Classrooms journey with all of these lovely ladies. I mean, I have to say also, Daisha, that I am also very blessed to be in the same space as you four. Um, This is quite exciting. I mean, your experiences range from pre-K, Sabrina, and then, of course, like Devin with like the psychiatric facility working there and in Sully Middle School, Mass. You've had some great experiences here. And, you know, Mary Catherine, shout out to Teach for America. They've come up with some some really great teachers um, out there. And so I appreciate you all sharing some of your lived experiences and just your um, expertise. So I'm excited to learn alongside you four. Um, And so with that being said, you know, this is something that I should have been asking our guests, and I don't know why I'm thinking of it just now, but tell us more about your school specifically, because it is an online um, school, or um, how did it come about? Like, what are your demographics, total number of students, location, schedule, technology, element, like anything really? So that way our listeners can get a better sense of what your school is all about. Yeah, absolutely. So 
Uh, a virtual academy has really been on our district's radar for a few years and our strategic plan started to reflect that need for kind of those flexible and virtual options. And so in 2020, with the pandemic, uh, that whole experience brought to a head that that longer range vision needed to be addressed more immediately, um, that kind of the way we did education virtually last year could be adapted and used more effectively long-term. So Ignite Online Academy was born. Um, our official birthday is July 1st, 2021. So right now we have 735 students, kindergarten through 12th grade. In eighth grade alone, we have about 64 for students, I believe. Um, we are a majority POC school. So we have 57% of our students are African American, 18% Hispanic and 15% white. And about 21% of our student population are students with disabilities. So our demographics really reflect kind of the overall demographics of our district. Um, as you said before, we are located in Durham, North Carolina. We're part of Durham Public Schools. And our students come to us from all across Durham County. So it's not like we have a little neighborhood base or anything. Uh, we follow the traditional school year schedule. So long summer, short breaks, and we meet in synchronous class sessions with our students Monday through Thursday. So we have synchronous classes four days a week and Fridays are asynchronous learning days for students and then teacher planning days and PLC days for the teachers. Um, as far as our learning management systems, uh, we're a little split. We have kindergarten through second grade uses Calvert as their LMS, and then third through 12th grade uses Canvas. And all of our students have access to district-provided Chromebooks and hotspots to help facilitate their virtual learning journeys. Um, and really, our mission at our school is we really want to empower our students to utilize technology, become powerful creators and change makers by taking ownership of their learning and collaborating with others in the safe and affirming environment that we create. That was a beautiful description of your school. I really feel like I have a better sense of what your school is about. And that's exciting that, you know, you just started with this online academy and you all are making it work, right? Providing the Chromebooks as well as the hotspot so that students are able to access their learning whenever they need to. And that I think is just absolutely beautiful. Um so, Daisha, you transferred to a new school this year to um, the online academy. How yes. has that been going for you? It has been awesome. I mean, it's just really been an amazing journey. And, you know, I, I've said it many times when I started looking at the um, different uh, teachers who were, you know, being hired over the summer and into August, I was like, my goodness, we have a team of absolute educational rock stars. I, I mean, it just blew me away how many uh, star teachers from the district were getting pulled into the program. And I think for me personally, coming into Ignite, it was just the next level of what I was already doing. And what I mean by that is recognizing that there are students who need a different take on education. They need a different way of going about things and being able to serve students who 
you know, they may not be able to, to be in the classroom every day because they're medically fragile or because they have, you know, mental health issues like severe anxiety or things like that, that would prevent them from really thriving in a big, giant, comprehensive high school. And I think that that Ignite takes that just as Durham Performance Learning Center did. I think Ignite takes that to the next level of really making school accessible to kids who have not found it to be so previously. And I really like that. Um, I really just like that. I'm, I'm kind of just sitting in with all that information that Devin and Daisha, you just gave me. Um, and you just taught me a new term, Daisha, medically fragile, right? Because we do have students with, with who are medically fragile and who cannot um, be in a regular, quote unquote, normal high school, right? So I really like the fact that Ignite um, saw that there was a gap and there's a need for this. I mean, you all have 735 students. That's incredible. Um, so you know for a fact that like people or not people, but students needed this type of environment to have, to be an option. Um, and so I'm really glad that Ignite was able to provide that um, for your students. And so um, everyone else, how has the school year been for you? So this school year has honestly, it has been very interesting. And I've learned so much about our diverse group of students and our staff. We do work with a phenomenal staff. We've said it multiple times. I think you all can tell how much we like one another, but our entire team of educators at Ignite are very student focused and centered. And it's been a really big journey for a lot of our staff members who are taking modern classrooms just for the first time. And it's really made a transitional and transformational shift for how education happens. And also how we view things like engagement and motivation, which I'm sure we'll get to later, but just it has been very eye-opening to see how students learn and how the way that students learn may be different than what we have grown accustomed to with the traditional um, classroom, as you said, the normal classroom. And um, with very big air quotes around the normal, <laughs> but the school year has just been, I mean, it really has just been very interesting. I feel like we're all learning. I feel like for me, since this was my first time in public school, I've been able to also talk with other teachers where they feel like they're first year teachers again, just really getting to learn our our students and our staff. And it has been growing. And I feel like we're growing as, as educators and as people as we get to know our students more. And um, it's been really interesting for me. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, so I'll echo with Sabrina. It's been the biggest gift to have each other in this process um, as we learn together. And um, I've told Sabrina that I get to feel like a first-year teacher all over again. Um, and I've had that multiple times in my career. But it's my first time in middle school. It's my first time um, with foresight, with significant foresight for a virtual um, online school and a fully virtual school year. And so um, that has come with a lot of building. And we had such a vision of um, access for our students and such a vision to provide them with choices and differentiation and um, 
opportunities for growth. And we really wanted them to be able to personalize their learning. So um, on this team, I think a lot of us took that to heart. And with that, that's been a big building year and a big learning curve, but also just time consumption curve and getting into a new um, rhythm as the year has started. Um, I think we've started to feel uh, like we've gotten into a little bit more of a groove at this point in the school year, now that we've gone through a quarter and a half, that uh, it's been definitely a time for us to to learn the the ropes of a new school, and also uh, by teaching all of the same students, that's been something that we've gotten to connect and become a team and leverage each other in helping our students become more successful. I think for me the the big thing that sticks out to me for this year is I would describe it as just eye-opening. Um, it's a challenge for sure, learning, you know, how to do a new instructional model, a new curriculum, working with new people who, as Daisha said, are just amazing. We have some phenomenal teachers at our school, a former district teacher of the year, teachers who have been teaching for years and years in different settings and teachers who have taught virtually in other settings as well. Um, learning from them, being in an environment where it's okay if we text each other and ask for support. It's okay if we text our principal, um, shout out to Mr. Hickson, who brought us all together on this team and really provided this environment where we felt like it's okay to struggle and it's okay to help each other out and really be the best teachers we can be. So it's been a challenge, but I have felt 100% supported the entire time. And seeing my students and seeing them thriving has just kind of kept that going and seeing our students who, as we said, are medically fragile or have mental health struggles and to see them thriving and saying things like, this is the highest grade I've had since fifth grade. And it's like, awesome. You know, this is why I do what I do. I want to see those successes and celebrate with them. So this year has been an amazing and welcoming challenge for me. This warms my heart so much. Like it brings me so much, like all of this brings me so much joy. Um, and it just seems like your school culture has just been so positive and nurturing and lots of giving grace, right? Because as a new school, you're implementing a new instructional model. Um, we have teachers who are, you know, first time teaching middle school or whatever grade and content, right? And I think it's just really, really, really amazing that you, all, you four are just basically like, no, we're given the time and space to make mistakes and to really embrace, you know, whatever it is that we have to do and make it our own. And I think it's also just as powerful to, to know that you have a team that has, um, that are student focused. Well, I, this team specifically has worked their butts off. <laughs> I mean, it, we have what what the entire school has done is implement the model full tilt. And a lot of times we, as mentors, we say, you know, if you're going to implement the model, pick one class, you know, and just do one class at a time and just do it in stages so you don't get overwhelmed. We haven't done that. <laughs> We've, we have totally gone all in. And I think, you know, Mary Catherine was kind of hinting around at it. We've like, we have worked a lot of hours, so many hours building courses, building multiple courses on the model. And I have to say through all of it, these, these 
this entire team, the whole staff, these ladies and the others that have implemented the model have been troopers and just really dedicated and focused. And the quality, the quality of curriculum that's coming out is just phenomenal. I have to say that. Give them props for that. And thank you, Daisha, for that. Because, you know, I'm definitely not there and you're able to witness all of this magic. So it's really exciting to hear that. I'd love to be able to observe at some point just so that I can feel all of that magic as well. And it is really, really powerful um, that you have a group to kind of be thought partners with and to be cheerleaders. Um, And this is something, too, with the modern classroom um, model is that it is time consuming in the beginning. Um, when you first start implementing it, it is really time consuming and you have to be really intentional with how you're using your time um, because it is a lot of front loading. And I think sometimes teachers get a little bit hesitant about that. Um, and um, and it's, it's good to hear that you all have each other um, to support and to just kind of bounce ideas off, um, off one another. And so thank you, Daisha, for that. So the next thing, we'll talk more about like the team building and how that worked um, for uh, for you all. So, um, but before that, I know that we have a couple of um, teachers, implementers, really, or mentees or listeners, basically wondering how do you introduce and use the pacing tracker with your students since they're all online. So that's a great question. Um, so I'm going to kind of answer it in two parts um, with the pacing guide and the pacing tracker. And so um, implementing that pacing guide comes at the start of the module, which is totally built in our Canvas course, which is our LMS. And so um, we have like an introduction page that introduces the pacing guide. And some of us include the pacing tracker linked to that. Some of us only introduce the pacing tracker in class, but definitely in the pacing guide, it shows that full schedule of um, recommended due dates. It's color-coded based on the must-dos, should-dos, and aspire-to-dos. I also match the colors there with emojis in the titles of the assignments in Canvas. And then also on that pacing guide, if there's um, a PBL tie, then it's introduced at the start of the module in that pacing guide that's accessible asynchronously and synchronously. So I feel like that's the kind of magic document that has um, everything that's expected of the student that they can refer to um, and pace themselves through. When it comes to the pacing tracker, that is something that we represent um, and present live in class. And so um, we show it on the screen whenever We um, kind of right before we transition students into their work time, we um, show them their pacing. Mine has a list of all of the students' names, and next to their name, it will say the um, lesson that they are currently working on, and it will be color-coded based on if they're on pace, behind pace, ahead of pace, or if they're revisions that they need to do. Something that I've started to do with revisions is I'll, I'll link them directly to the assignment that needs to be revised to help with that accessibility, um, but then we provide the link to the pacing tracker to the students send it out in the chat so that they can refer to that document. For me, they can um, click on um, the things that they need to revise. And then there are, of course, also some shout outs and announcements that are on that tracker. But the tracker really is presented live during class. And we even 
direct students to breakout rooms based on which lesson they're working on in the Zoom room so um, that they can go and collaborate with other students and ask questions as they need to. Yeah, so for me, I started the year very similarly. Here's your pacing guide, suggested due dates, um, and using that tracker with the color coding for revisions. Um, Because I teach math, I found very early on that because my curriculum builds on itself from lesson to lesson, um, when my students were struggling really hard with staying self-paced, even with the trackers and supports, that they just needed that extra bit of help. So I actually started to implement weekly grids and I don't pace for the entire module. Um, I actually use weekly pacing now so my students can pace themselves through the week. Um, But I found that my students really struggle to stay on track. So I've adapted it a little bit. I provide them with the pacing guide, a pacing calendar, weekly grids, and the in-class trackers. Um, so that they can stay on track. Um, One of the reasons is since our students can access everything asynchronously, I had students doing assignments at 12 o'clock, one o'clock in the morning, and I'm not up at that time grading things. And so it was starting to really hinder their ability to move forward if they had to wait for me to grade something to tell if they got mastery or not. So I don't want to say micromanaging, but kind of Keeping them on a shorter pace, I think, is helping them with their understanding and my ability to kind of keep up with them and where revisions need to be so that they're not getting 10 lessons ahead of me before I say, wait, 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 here's this fundamental thing from 10 lessons ago that we need to go back and revise. Um, So mine is slightly different, but I definitely still use that public pacer in class. And just like um, Mary Catherine said, student name and here's the lesson you're working on for the day. And that all sounds um that all sounds really um great actually because I know um Devin like you I also did weekly pacing with my students when uh covid hit and we went all virtual and then our last unit was all about writing so I didn't want students to get way too behind didn't want them to get too ahead of pace and so it was a weekly pacing and that works you know some some teachers are like oh but like how do we is that still self pacing and it, and it is right cuz like you have some students who finish in like a day and then you'll have some students who'll take the entire week. It's still pretty much pacing and this is where you should do and aspire to do assignments come in. Um, I'm a huge fan of emojis and color coding. So I'm really glad that you all are um, utilizing that. Emojis are just fun anyway. And then also um, Mary Catherine, when you were talking about utilizing the different features and tools, right? Um, When you're online, like chat and the breakout rooms. Um, And so you can be super intentional with um, the help that you're providing and the support that you're providing for your students. So, uh, but thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and so here's a million dollar question. How do you keep students motivated and engaged virtually? So in terms of motivation and being engaged online, I actually want to attribute a lot of this to the modern classrooms model. So in class, what will usually happen is we all gather together and I use something called Pear Deck, which is just an interactive Um, PowerPoint presentation where students can answer questions. And so that's one of the ways that I present my pacing guide and progress trackers and do shout outs and maybe some interactive mini lesson questions. But then the rest of class is actually one-on-one conferences. And 
because I have so much time to conference with my students and they are expecting for me to go into their breakout groups, I have noticed that they have stayed pretty engaged and motivated, but also the pacing guides as well and those shout outs because they will get a shout out if they've submitted something and they've done really well. Maybe I'll use some of their answer choices um, as their shout out with their permission, of course. And so that really motivates them seeing those pacing trackers as, oh, I'm ahead of pace. That's motivating. But what I have noticed in my classroom are those conferencing times, because that's the time where they get ask me questions about the content. Maybe we do some live revisions. And so they're getting that one-on-one feedback, which I think not only is that important in person, but it's really important online. Students want to know that we see them. They want to know that we can talk to them and that we're accessible um, because they can feel like little islands at home. And so being able to revise live and to talk with them about my class and talk with them about their thoughts about my class, asking them for their input. You know, how did this lesson go? Did, did you see when my cat could join my Ed puzzle? Um, but did I explain the ACES paragraph model very well? But being able to talk with them about that has, I believe, has really kept my students engaged. They know all of my mannerisms and my sayings. They did a video mimicking some of my Ed puzzle, <laughs> like slogans and sayings. But Yes, I think the modern classrooms model, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but the conferencing has been a game changer online. And I think that, you know, for me and, and I'm in my class, and I have to, I have to back up a little bit. I'd never taught eighth grade before this year. I've always been a high school uh, social studies teacher. And so I wasn't even really sure. I was like, am I going to? do all right with these eighth graders because I wasn't sure how it was going to go, but they have been an amazing group of students to work with. And I think part of it is just really stepping back from what a traditional classroom looks like and understanding how the, how the online class works. These students will talk to you, but they may not talk to you with their camera on Zoom, or you may be staring at their picture of their ceiling fan while they're talking to you, but they're talking. And and like with what Sabrina says about using Pear Deck, that is engagement. You can see every single student is on that Pear Deck and they're responding to questions and they're giving their input and they're, they're you know, participating in the lesson. It doesn't look like a live lesson but it's happening and the energy and is there. And I think recognizing that, especially for me, I mean, I've been teaching since 1998. So, you know, I I remember risographs, but at this point I have to recognize, even though a student may not be turning their camera on, they are still engaged. If I am recognizing that engagement for what it is. So my kids respond in the chat a lot. And I always call that out and recognize that because I want them to understand I am validating that you're here and that you're participating and you have you're sharing great ideas even if you're a little too shy or a little too anxious to turn on your camera or unmute yourself. I absolutely agree with what Daisha said with letting our students you know meeting them where they are saying hey if you want to be in the chat box talking to me that's cool. Um, one of the other things, and I honestly can't remember if Sabrina already mentioned this, but 
because our students are able to access those lessons, you know, it's just like um, is said in the Modern Classrooms introduction video, you know, we can clone ourselves. We're able to be in those breakout rooms with students, conferencing with them one-on-one. They may not be comfortable unmuting themselves in a whole group with their 30 peers, but when I get one-on-one with them or two-on-one in a conference room or in a breakout room, they are there and engaged. We talk about camera reveals and voice reveals and um, being able to talk with them on that level and say, how are you doing? And they're always like, I'm okay on this lesson. I'm like, no, but really like you personally, like what's going on? How can I help? Um, Making that connection really keeps them engaged because they're able to see us as human and similar to Sabrina. I also have my catchphrases that they tend to repeat back to me pretty frequently. So they are, you know, making those connections with us in multiple different ways. So being part of a virtual school, we have many students in our school population that have experienced a lot of trauma with school. And so that is a part of something that we recognize and all of us really value um, the social emotional learning for our students. So we want to make school and our classes a place where they get to connect with things that bring them joy, where they get to connect with us and feel seen. where they get to connect with peers and make friendships because that's been a huge thing with our virtual school. And I will address that with that, we do meet in person once a month where the students have the option to come to what's called the hub farm where they can come in person and um, we plan kind of more fun, interactive things that aren't going to count as much towards their um, grades at this point, Um, but they can connect with each other. And we have some fun science experiments and um, they get to learn about the farm and learn about different organisms there. And we um, plan like that outdoor learning opportunity. And that's a time where they really like value friendships and building that. And that helps them feel more connected to school, which therefore helps them kind of get over some of that trauma and start to work towards enjoying logging on and interacting with us and um, our lessons. And so that's been something that's been important. And I'll say one other thing that we've done to help motivate our students, especially when we're realizing a student is behind pace, is we all share a Calendly. Um, That's another platform, but it's like a shared calendar. And so we can send a link to parents and families for, for students that might be behind pace or might just need to connect and hear from all of the teachers. And they can sign up for meetings where we all meet as a team um, to show that We're all here together and on the same page to support their students towards success and to help motivate them and help them with catch-up plans um, and have office hours for those connections as well. MK took like everything I was about to say. (laughs) No, that's perfect. It was wonderful. Um, I was going to bring up the Hub Farm as well. So the only other thing that maybe I can add um, is that one thing that all of us have done we've opened up office hours, even after class. And I think that having those open office hours has also helped with keeping our students motivated and engaged that they can pop in and again, see us because they want to be seen as we have said. But I've noticed that a lot of students, that's when a lot of my peer helpers come into play. So I have some students who are pretty frequent office hour visitors 
And if I've noticed that they have mastered a lesson, um, I have said, hey, so-and-so, could you please help this person with this activity? And I feel like that's kept them really motivated and engaged. And I get to hear them reteaching something that maybe they've heard in an ed puzzle or something that I have taught in class. And they are teaching it to them. And they sound so excited that they were one of the, the chosen ones to teach this activity. And so having the the time for students to really just get together and they don't feel like they're in class because it's after class. And that might just be something that has worked well for me, but that has kept them really engaged and it has transferred over to our live synchronous time. So I would say having those peer helpers is another way to increase motivation because then students are like, okay, well, when can, when can I do that next time? Um, When can I be the teacher assistant next time? I'm literally just sitting here in awe and soaking up all of these gems that you all are dropping. It seems like I need a redo for when I taught virtually because of all of these great ideas that you have. I mean, it seems like You know, you really are focusing on students with the one-on-one conferences and basically um, looking at the big picture of how to better serve our students who don't typically, who did not succeed in the traditional school setting, right? Um, I love the concept of camera reveals and the voice reveals and like pets coming into our videos, right? Like my dogs are always around. Um, And then I also really appreciate the fact that we acknowledge that these are students who are working through trauma with traditional schooling before, right? And so being able to have high standards and being able to empathize with students so that students can still be successful regardless of their past experiences. I think that, I mean, that's just really impactful and and I'm just really appreciative of you four and I'm so excited about Ignite. Like I, I mean, every time I talk to a podcast guest, I'm like, I want to work at that school. I want to work at this school. Um, but this is truly just magical. I'm just soaking it all in. So thank you for all of that. Um, so let's talk about your teamwork, right? And so um, in the beginning of the, op- the episode, you all were just super grateful to be around each other, which is amazing. And so when I started implementing the model myself, there were four English teachers. So Emily Culp, who's another mentor, and I did the mentorship program and got um, got our other two English teachers on board with the model. So we did the virtual mentorship program, right? And so um, that made it so much easier to be on the same page. And we saw that all of our sixth graders received the same instruction differently from each English teacher, which was really cool. So we also divided the tasks like creating instructional videos and students got to know each other's, um, each, each teacher's personality. And so it was such a cool experience and it made teaching that much more enjoyable. And, and hearing from you four, it seems like you all are having such a good time together. Um, and so, this is the whole eighth grade team, which is amazing. So all the, all the contents. Um, and so how did you all come to an agreement to implement the MCP model? The modern classrooms model, like I said, it we we brought it and we brought Kareem into um, Durham Performance Learning Center, and that's like thinks I think that was Durham's first exposure to the modern classroom project, and it was very shortly after that that um, we started building some online curriculum because pandemic, and yeah, I think that during some of those conversations. 
I was involved in in some of the early work with the with Ignite because originally Ignite was actually building course shells for the whole district so that teachers would have resources when they were suddenly thrown into an online environment, which many of our teachers district wide, you know, they hadn't even had access to consistent computers or laptops or whatever. And so that shift was enormous. And the Ignite team started out working on building resources for teachers and then kind of continued to grow into now this is full online academy. But um, so our, our principal, he, he was very intensely desirous that everybody be a part of the modern classrooms training. He had made sure that a lot of our teachers were trained over the summer and are continuing to um, join into training sessions and be mentored um, because it just, it literally just makes so much sense for the online environment to do that self-paced model and, you know, having video content that's accessible all the time. It just makes sense for what we're trying to do. Yeah, so there was nothing that we actually needed to come to an agreement on when we were all hired. And I believe if I'm correct, the four of us were the first four hired over the summer. I know Mary Catherine was the first, but when we were hired, we were told Ignite's long-term vision, which are the three pillars of the modern classrooms model, blended instruction, self-paced learning, and mastery-based grading. And so that was something that was brought to our attention in all of our interviews. And it happened to be around the same time as the summer institute. Um, And so we all were able to um, be a part of this training. And then when they were in-person days for all of us to connect, we were the four eighth grade teachers. Daisha was my mentor and we were all able to discuss what we learned over the summer and we were able to start early with brainstorming and that really helped us because we all felt like we were on the same page we got the training around the same time we were told this was the long-term vision and so we asked questions periodically throughout the summer and so that just really helped us with our implementation of the model that we had the same baseline of how this was going to play out at our school. Yeah. And and thank you for sharing that. I know it definitely helps so much when everyone is on the same page on how to move forward. Um, So it's really, it's really great to hear. And so now how is this, how has this meaning modern classroom impacted your team dynamic? And so just like Sabrina was saying, um, we were all immediately on the same page by all doing the modern classrooms. And we really just instantly had that feeling of being in it together. We were all building a course kind of in those building trenches um, together. And it also made us very cohesive and collaborative in that effort and gave us kind of just this gateway to constantly be communicating with each other. And even though we all teach different subjects, we all have this commonality in order to give each other feedback. And so we find ourselves kind of asking each other questions about how things are going with um, like synchronous class time. What are you doing? What's working? What's not? And also with the way that we like lay out our courses, we're planning on soon giving our students kind of a feedback opportunity in a Google form where they'll let us know kind of what um, ways of doing each of the aspects of modern classrooms they're kind of working best. And so that's just going to help us continue to um, kind of grow as modern classroom educators together in order to give our students the learning experiences that they desire and connect with best. 
Now, I think for me, because I'm split between two teams, um, I have this amazing eighth grade team. And I also have an awesome seventh grade team that I work with. And our seventh grade team is, I believe, currently going through the Modern Classrooms Mentorship Program. So it's definitely different when I'm using a completely different instructional model than the other teachers. It's, yeah, we can talk about the students and we can talk about, you know, some of the content that we're doing. But as far as building and creating, um, I definitely feel there's more cohesion within our group and consistency for our students. You know, we all share these students. They're all seeing modern classrooms with, you know, slight adjustments in each of our classes. But our students know what to expect whenever they walk, you know, say walk in, log in to any of our classrooms. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point too, right? With the cohesion and just the students know what to expect. And I can just imagine the challenges of being in seventh grade and eighth grade and different um, types of instructional models. So, um, and so Devin back at you, right? Like what are some benefits and challenges of modern classroom? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the benefits at least for our team, all doing this together is what Mary Catherine and Sabrina were saying is that we have that ability to bounce ideas off of each other. I can go to my team and say, hey, my students are really struggling with self-pacing. What do y'all think? And they know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it's not this, well, what do you mean self-pacing? What do you mean trackers? So we know the challenges that we each face. Um, we joke that uh, Sabrina and I in particular stay up late together building our courses. And so it's that kind of understanding we have with each other that we are in this together. Um, I think some of the challenges is that we are in this together. You know, we are all at um, this point where we are building and providing our students with these tools but at the same time, you know, we can help each other with the model, but we all teach different content areas. There is not another eighth grade science teacher or another eighth grade ELA teacher. And so it's um, working together with modern classrooms related things, but then also helping each other think through even our content. Like, hey, this way of presenting something makes sense for math, but in ELA, it needs to look different or in science, it needs to be laid out a little differently. And so we all have access to each other's Canvas courses. We um, frequently review things for each other. Um, I think, again, the biggest benefit with our students is they do know what to expect. I think that's probably the biggest benefit I have to say for Modern Classrooms Project and us implementing it as a team is the students know. The students know what it's going to look like. And um, with that challenge means if students are struggling with it in one class, they're probably going to be struggling with it in other classes, but our team can come together to help them. Yeah. So just like you're saying with the student perspective, um, I do think I've been in schools before where um, a model was being implemented in one classroom, but not others. And so it took a very long time for students to understand what was happening in that one classroom. And so by all having the same model, I do think it expedited that kind of learning curve for students and helped them kind of quickly seeing what to expect. 
Great points, you two. Um, yeah, it is, it is really nice to have a consistent way of teaching just so that students can really, um, students experience that learning curve regardless, right? But then to be able to see it in like, hey, um, this is how it is in math. This is how it is in social studies. Um, it's very similar in my old school, um, in DC where there were a lot of teachers implementing the model. And so students had modern classroom in English, they had it in science, they had it in design, um, they had it in math. So it was really, it was incredible that students just kind of knew already what to expect. And I think that's the beauty of this model is that students are not, they don't, they don't not know anymore, right? If anything, they know how many lessons there are. They know how long the units are. They know what the mastery checks are asking for. And I think that that's what we want our students to um, to be able to do is that to know what to expect so that anxiety um, can kind of be lessened with that, right? Okay. So then speaking of students, right? How have your students reacted to the model? I know we've kind of touched base on that a little bit, but Sabrina, if you can go ahead and um, tell us a little bit more about how they uh, reacted to the model. So overall, I think I'll talk about initial reactions and then a current pulse check. But when they first heard about the modern classrooms model, they were really excited because they had heard of, you know, they had endured a year of online learning and some of them, they didn't necessarily want to work online. And they were used to some teachers teaching live and they were having glitches and tech issues and it was laggy. And so when they first heard, okay, well, things are going to be recorded and you can go back and you can rewatch it. And we won't be on Zoom where you have to decipher what I'm saying while listening to all of my tech issues. That was something that I know a lot of my students were very excited about, that they could rewatch our videos and rewind them. But the thing that they latched on to the most was the self-pacing. Um, and so that was something that initially all students were like, yes, we can take as much time in the world. We're super excited about self-pacing. Um, but now with the current pulse check, they are starting to notice that self-pacing does require a lot of executive functioning skills and time management and also those conferences um, to say, you know, here's kind of where you're at right now. Here are some things I want you to really prioritize. Maybe you can focus on these must-dos um, rather than some of the should-dos. And so I think that that was a tough I don't want to say a tough reality for them, but they did struggle at first with that self-pacing. And so that's something that I know that we have all started saying, which is the self-pace doesn't mean no pace. And that's one of the things that they quote me on in my Ed puzzle when they recite things back to me. Um, but now that I think that they have gotten into the groove of things, they mention that they like conferencing with us. They like rewatching our videos. They really like that they can reattempt things. And one thing that has not happened, at least to me this year, and other teachers might chime in, I actually haven't had a student say something like, well, you gave me that grade. You know, they're thinking more about okay, well, I earned this grade. I need to revise this thing. I, I need to do these things. And they might be frustrated with a potential grade, but then they get to reassess it. But they're not talking and using that language of my teacher is the one who's giving me the grade, not versus the I'm the one who is earning this grade. I think a conversation I frequently have with my kids um, is the conversation of grades aren't permanent. And that has been a big 
mindset shift for a lot of my students in feeling like, oh, I, I didn't do so great on this, but it doesn't have to stay that way. I can go back and revise. I can go back and watch the Ed Puzzle video again. I can retake this mastery quiz. And for, you know, for a lot of our students, that's been a big game changer for them that they can learn from their mistakes and be able to redo things. I think that piece of the modern classrooms model culture has been very embraced by my students, particularly. I'll definitely add that it's a process to coach students into this process of revision and kind of self-agency and self-directedness because the modern classroom models model provides such a framework for students to um, become self-regulatory, but it, there is that motivation process that um, I would say I'm still perfecting on making sure that they check that tracker and go back and revise um, and take advantage of those opportunities. And so that's something that we're um, currently working, working through with them. And one thing that I've enjoyed seeing um, is that they've taken um, weekly grids that we use and oftentimes kind of use that as a self-regulatory piece within the model so that they can on one document keep track of their to-do lists for each day and kind of check off what they need to do and have that reflective process where they're um, taking that ownership. And I think too, it's our students are starting to really make that connection between how we're using modern classrooms and how it translates to real life. So when I show my students their weekly grids and then I can hold up my personal to-do list to the camera and see like, look, y'all, I have my own version of a weekly grid. These are tools and strategies that you can use moving forward. If I have to send in a report to our principal or submit a document and I didn't do it correctly, He's going to send it back to me and say, hey, can you fix these things? And so the skills, those executive functioning skills that they're learning through modern classrooms, they are starting to make those lifelong connections that they can continue to use to be successful in all areas. And again, you all are just dropping gems. Um, I love that you mentioned grading. I know that when I first started teaching and even throughout my teaching career, right, students were really focused on grades. And I hated the um, the question of what did I get? What grade did I get, right? And so when I started implementing the model, it was really important for me to tell students, like, we're actually going to shift um, from grades to, like, revisions, right? And so like you said, you know, um, it's a process to coach the revision process. It really is. And it's not just an overnight thing. It's not going to take a couple of weeks. If anything, it takes months for students to really shift their mindset from grading to revisions and embracing the mistakes. Um, and so that failure, like failing is part of the process and it's okay to fail as long as you have an, op- you know, you have the option to revise and reassess and reattempt. Um, and Daisha, you did say, you know, like grades aren't permanent because they're not. You can always make those changes, right? And I love the fact that, you know, there's no more students, you know, there's no more phrase of saying, you gave me this grade. It's more of an accountability of, oh, I earned this. And I, I love that. That's, that's amazing. Um, All right. Now, what is one piece of advice you would tell a teacher who's only teaching virtually and hesitant to implement the model? I would first of all say, put a lot, all your hobbies on hold. Implementing the model on a completely virtual basis is intensively time consuming. And and I won't, you know, mince words about that. But 
once you have spent that time building those online resources and activities, um, you know, for me as a, you know, veteran classroom teacher, I've been teaching for years, but taking some of my really solid activities and, um, like I did stations a lot when I was in, uh, the in-person classroom, taking that, those kinds of things and transforming those into online accessible activities is time consuming. But I will say this, don't feel like you have to spend hours searching the web for this, you know, amazing Google slide activity that someone else has already made. You are the best teacher for your students. You know your students better than anyone else. And so the things that you create and the things that you put into your LMS, whether it's Canvas or Schoology or whatever, your your stuff is going to meet your students' needs better than anything that you can find on a website or any pre-made curriculum. So what I often say to teachers as they're starting, you know, a process of building anything in a online platform is you are a good teacher. You're just teaching in a different modality and trust yourself. That That's a key thing. If you know that this kind of activity works and it helps students, you know, learn their vocabulary better or they learn, you know, cause and effect better, then use that same activity. You don't have to turn to a different activity because you're online. Yeah, to kind of build off of what Daisha said with the time, you know, being online, you can't say, oh, I forgot to, you know, make copies of this mastery check. It's It needs to be there and it needs to be built because the students are going to expect to have everything they need right there online and just the process of posting things can take forever. I think I waited 30 minutes for a video to post on <laughs> Edpuzzle the other day. Um, so it's definitely requires that time. Um, I think the other thing I would, and I know this has been said, and I didn't listen to it, but please take my advice and don't try to do all the things at once. Um, If you need to start small, start with just a pacing tracker or start with one unit that is built in modern classrooms. And for goodness sake, if you're teaching two completely different courses, Don't try to build both courses in their entirety at the same time. Alternate modules. Do something that um, keeps that time more manageable. So Um, much truth. So so much truth in that. (laughs) See, I was told that and I didn't listen. So I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. And putting hobbies and things on hold, absolutely. Um, when, When you get to the point where you're building things and keep things that work and make notes of things that don't work so you can revise them for the next year. Um, if you have, if you are fortunate enough to have the same kind of curriculum and the same kind of sequencing from year to year, um, keeping those things in your toolkit would be incredibly uh, just priceless to be able to use again and again when they work. And I'll definitely chime in that um, I think about this like diagram that it has in the very center, a circle that says safe. Around that is a circle that says stretch. And around that is a circle that says stress. And so knowing where you feel stretched, but not to that point where you're overworked and totally stressed um, and finding ways to implement the model in chunks as you need to 
Um, but also definitely um, taking care of your own um, health in that process and finding ways to um, be there to support your students and design learning experiences that are accessible and meaningful um, for them and that where they can have choices to personalize it um, while while taking care of yourself too. And I know we um, all want to like make this perfect um, thing. And so if you're a person that's like, yes, I'm going to go all in this year and then I'll take my break next year, that can also work too. But just kind of knowing where your stress first stretch zones are um, can help. Um, to kind of cycle back to um, not trying to do everything at once, don't feel like deviating from exactly how you filtered in the modern classrooms project stuff works. So when I had to revert from the self pacing through an entire module to just doing weekly pacing, I honestly felt like a failure. I'm like, I'm not doing the model anymore. This isn't successful. I failed at this. And so it's been very validating to hear Tony Rose, you say that you had to do the same thing. And for my coworkers who have been telling me that all along, um, to hear that it is still the model, they are still getting to do that self pacing. Um, it's okay to back up and adapt to your students' needs because education isn't a cookie cutter and not everybody gets the same things at the same time in the same way. So next time, Tony Rose, I'm just going to say, Tony Rose said <laughs> that it was okay because they don't listen to me, Tony Rose, when I tell them it's okay. I'm going to say, Tony Rose said it was okay. So you can you can understand that it is. Yes, girl, quote me, quote me all day. <laughs> um, one thing I would like to say about a piece of advice for a teacher who is especially hesitant. Recently, I had to teach a live lesson again, and I wasn't using the modern classrooms model. And if you're hesitant to use the modern classrooms model, I will say as much time as the building takes, which as You've heard we've all shared about building, especially online. As much time as it takes, it took even more, I want to say energy out of me, but it also took a lot of energy for my students. I got a lot of questions in my Pear Deck or in my chat about what I was saying, and people were asking me to repeat things. And they were having issues. Someone stepped away to go use the restroom, and then they came back, and they're like, what did you say? And so not teaching modern classrooms for a day was awful. <laughs> I'll just be honest. It, it was awful. I, I was tired. I was almost more tired after that class than I was building for the modern classrooms model because my students clearly needed that support and they have grown accustomed to that support and it really works well for them. So once you can get through the building that we're all sharing it will be more beneficial. So I'm really looking forward to next year when I teach eighth grade ELA again and my course is built. But if they are hesitant, I would still say to do the model. Um, the students are growing and learning from it. And it can also make your class time more enjoyable because I missed talking with my students one-on-one -on -one that day. You know, and I, I hated that they were so lost with what I was saying because something happened. Maybe their little brother knocked something down or they used the bathroom or whatever. So if you're hesitant, I would still recommend the model. And I would take um, Mary Catherine's advice about stress points. <laughs> She's always my go-to for my work-life balance. Um, but your stress points. But I would still recommend it. 
Yes, such a good point about not having to repeat yourself all day and not hearing all of the questions and the slowdowns throughout your lesson. And I think our students are more engaged. They don't want us to sit there and talk at them through the camera for 45 minutes. Quick little video and letting them get to the practice and then ask questions through conferences as they need to has really helped them learn as human beings and students. Yeah, and uh, I don't need to summarize because you all said said it beautifully. Um, I do want to thank you all for saying and acknowledging the fact that this whole process is time consuming, right? We cannot reiterate that enough. Um, the whole process for Modern Classroom is time consuming, especially when you first started, um, especially when you're first starting out. Um, and so don't get too frustrated. Don't get too overwhelmed by it. You know, give yourself breaks um, when needed. Um, but but like Sabrina says, it's a lot more enjoyable when you're in the classroom or when you're in front of your students. Um, and so you're not doing the live lectures anymore. And so we do have a couple of implementers as well who like, you know, some students complained like, oh, but we want a live lecture. So they went back to live lecture. And then the students are like, oh, never mind. We actually don't like this. <laughs> and I thought that that was always so entertaining. Um, and so to wrap up our conversation, I feel like I can talk to you for all day long and just continue to write and take notes um, just because you're all dropping so many gems for me. Um, and I'm sure our listeners as well. So our last question is, what do you hope to see in the future and what goals do you have? I think personally, um, having been on this journey and refining my modern classroom courses, I, I think I'm, I'm at a place now where I'm able to really sit back and say, I feel like my video content's really solid. I feel like I've got you know, the pacing trackers down the way I, I want them to be. A lot of my organizational piece of my, my LMS is, is flowing the way I want it to be. And now I get to really spend more time focused on building activities that build collaboration, that allow students to do inquiry, all the things that, that idealistically as a social studies teacher, I really, really want to foster. I can do that with all of my intent and all of my energy because I am now at the place I've been doing the model for three years. I am at the place where I've got a lot of this stuff built and can focus on making those activities that really engage students sense of curiosity and wonder. One goal that I've had for myself is, and we've mentioned this, we have some students who have um, some social, they have social anxiety or they've been victims of educational trauma. And so for me as an ELA teacher, and all I can think about is, you know, those big Socratic seminars or some of the book talks or things that may put them out of their comfort zone. So a goal that I have for myself is to really think through ways to have them um, complete some of these tasks in a low stakes environment for them to be successful um, and to be able to connect with each other. And so that would also help them maybe overcome some of these things. And I also, as Daisha just said, I want to increase some of the curiosity that they have, maybe having more of those hands-on convers um, hands-on projects or those conversations. I just would love to find ways to use this class time where I'm not teaching 
live to really connect with them in that way and to also encourage them to share their brilliance because I have some literary critics out there who know so much about so many things and I would love for them to share that with others. So I'm just looking for more creative ways to really encourage and foster that collaboration. And that is a personal goal that I have for myself with this model because I can see how it would be so conducive to that collaboration. I think for me moving forward, I want to get where Daisha is. I want to have this um, bank of amazing video content and activities that I can pull from. I'm in a unique situation this year where I'm using one curriculum this year, but my curriculum will change next year. And so I'll have a whole different materials that I'm going to be using and different sequencing. And so using the things that I'm using this year isn't going to work for me. So I think in the future, I want to get to the point where I do have those things already prepared that I can use and refer back to and build upon to make better and better each year so that it can really be the best it can be for my students. Um, One of the goals I have is this year just to learn from my students what's working, not what's not working, and to continue to be flexible and adapt to what they need um, at every level so that I can help them be successful across the board as a whole entire human being. And so I'll definitely echo this idea of um, being curious. That's something I'm trying to instill in my students to quote Ted Lasso, of course. Um, but I want them to develop that curiosity. And that is such an aspect of um, science and following those scientific inquiries of um, discovery. And so an immediate goal that I'm currently having for myself is finding a way to kind of expand upon um, the discover, discuss, demonstrate. I want to add, I kind of have that 5E model in um, the back of my head. And to foster that curiosity, I kind of wanted to add um, an engaged piece kind of to the beginning for students to start to connect and become curious before I um, kind of deliver that direct instruction piece in my ed puzzle. So that's like one part goal that I have of developing that curiosity. But then the ultimate thing that I hope to see in the future is the success of my students for um, them to find their passions, um, for them to leverage the modern classrooms model to personalize their learning and to be self-regulated and really um, be the drivers of their success and become change makers in the world. And so that is the thing that I really look forward to seeing the ways um, that they are successful and impact the world throughout their lifetimes. And I know that all four of you will meet your goals, and I'm so excited to hear about them. And so again, I appreciate you. I'm so grateful for um, your expertise and for your stories that you shared in this episode. Um, Thank you so much again for saying yes and spending this time with me. Um, And I am excited to continue learning from you all, but we will see you all next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org and you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. 
You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj. That's P R O J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Thank you.